Hi, guys. Um, So, as my life has gone on, Advent has become more and more a season that makes sense to me. And part of that is because, as you see the um, sort of glow and brightness and um, glitz of the Christmas season, it seems to me sometimes in conflict with what I'm seeing around me in the world or in my life. Um, And uh, there's an old Christmas carol, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, and in this, um, Longfellow, who's an American poet, was writing after, just after the end of the Civil War, and he was writing about how it is that things like Christmas bells can seem so in conflict with what we're seeing around us. Um, and one verse of that um, carol that I find really moving, he says, And in despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Um, And there are lots of times where that seems to be the reality. Um, That in December it doesn't magically go away. Um, And that there is hate around us in the world. And Longfellow was writing in the midst of really bloody conflict um, here in the U.S., right? So we're, (laughs) those of us who are more Twitter aficionados than others, um, are probably uh, spent bits of Friday night previewing the fact that there could be a whole lot of conflict about to come up, right? Um, (coughs) Conflict that has to do with the I word, et cetera, right? But um, the Civil War was people dying, lots of people dying. And it wasn't dying just because people couldn't get along. They were dying because there was deep injustice in our country. And so when we say that there's not peace on earth, it is often driven by that deep injustice. And so when we look around us, we can see things like, I've seen on a bunch of end of the year compilations of the best pictures of that little girl in Yemen who died because of injustice. Um, All of these headlines from around the world, from in our country, and that's just things we read in the newspaper. There's injustice and lack of peace in our lives. There's lack of peace in our workplaces, right? Um, And a lot of times it's driven because somebody somewhere is being unfair. Um, It's not just because people can't get along. And there's lack of peace in our families. Um, Most of you know this. For Joey and I, that literally means in a courtroom. Um, There's lack of peace in our intimate relationships. Um, We did not fight about how late we were for church this morning, but (laughs) let's just say this threads through our Sundays. Um, And there's internal lack of peace. Um, I don't know how many of you wrestle with anxiety, but for me at times, this literally means waking up in the middle of the night and feeling like I can't breathe because 
there's so much. It means at times that my 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 whole body has actually been in rebellion to this lack of peace inside my heart. I'm in deep physical pain because of that. Um, I'm guessing that some of you have that as well. Um, and so it's a amid that that at when the church has given one of the Sundays of Advent to peace, it's because that's our Decembers and the whole rest of our years. Um, when Longfellow says, in despair I bowed my head because there is no peace on earth, because hate is strong and mocks this song. Um, if a lot of us are honest, that's, that's where things are. Um, and sometimes in that position, um, all of the sparkle and light of Christmas can seem uh, part of that mockery rather than of the hope that we talked about last week. So Joey and I want to talk this morning about this Prince <laughs> of Peace and what's promised with that peace. So, I mean, I think, yeah, everyone here knows me, and, like, you've probably heard me talk. One of the themes that I bring up consistently is how it sounds like I'm just almost making fun of the Pharisees, the nation of Israel, all these things, because Christ came, and they didn't know it. Christ came, and they didn't realize what he was doing and why. But in their defense, it, it's so different than everything in our experience that there's many pieces I can see why it just wouldn't click. This is how it happened. And I want to go back to the scripture we, we read this morning from Isaiah, because it talks about there is a prince coming. There is a king coming. There is a kingdom of God that will be established and true and government. His government will be a government of peace. Authority will rest on his shoulders. But in the, in the experience of Israel, the way you establish a kingdom is through the exercise of power. The nation of Israel like left Egypt and conquered the promised land, and not metaphorically, not with this war of words, but with swords and blood and death. They watched the nations around them exercise power, and that's how you establish a kingdom, is you fight over it. In their world... Peace only came following conflict, following often violent conflict. Like in the, na in the time where they were at the moment, you have one of the phrases, the peace of Rome, which, you know, Rome was a large empire. It connected people that had never been connected before. There's a great joke in, um, sorry, in Monty Python where they talk about how bad the Romans were, except they brought us roads and aqueducts and education and all of the things we think of as civilized. The peace of Rome establishes this kingdom, but all of these things come through battle. When a new kingdom comes, it, it, look at our, our own culture. America was born out of a revolution. We picked up, well, we didn't, but some people roughly 250 years ago picked up muskets and they shot at each other until we had the authority to then say, no, I am claiming this with the authority of power that is exercised. There is, and I'm not a really good historian, so I'm not sure, but I don't know that there's a government that exists now. There's no authority, there's no power that didn't 
take that power forcibly from someone else to establish their authority. And so when I go to this scripture in Isaiah, it says his, gov- his authority will rest on his shoulders. His government will be one of peace. The clear expectation from everything in my experience, and I would argue most of the human experience, is there will be a battle, there will be, a war, there will be conflict, and from that, dominance will be asserted, and then peace will be exercised out of that authority that is then claimed through violence. Except when Christ comes, that's not what happens. Somehow, this authority is in a baby. You know, we, we read the story in Luke, and there's no, there's no you, know, uh, you know, Gandalf charging down the hill at the hordes of darkness. There's no, the closer we get, there's a heavenly host that all they do is proclaim and then leave. And somehow, the Prince of Peace, this, where authority rests on his shoulders, the Messiah has come. And Rome is still present. The governments that are present are still present. All of the violence, all of the discord, all of the elements that resist peace are still somehow all there. And yet, the Prince of Peace exists as peace in this place of conflict. And this tension is just, it's very difficult to wrestle with because it's not, it's totally outside of our experience. And yet today in this Advent season, we wrestle with that now. This idea, the Prince of Peace has come. We have our victory, Christ crucified, dead, buried, resurrected. And yet we coexist somehow in a world of conflict. So this is a promise which, like so much of the redemption we talk about in our faith, is already here and not yet here. This little baby who conquered by sacrifice and dying, um, he is bringing peace and it will be everywhere. There'll be no more war. The passage from Isaiah says, the tools of war will be burnt. We'll be done with them. Be no more need to to spend money on bigger and bigger weapons. There'll be no more need um, for all of the things we put in place to control and fight back against injustice and conflict and lack of peace. That hope is coming for everywhere, but that hope is also already here. That peace is here. So I want to end with just a a brief moment. We say every Sunday when we greet each other, the peace of Christ be with you. And it's for a bunch of us, especially if we didn't grow up in a more liturgical situation, it's just like, oh, now's the like greeting time where we say, hey, how was your week? Let me give you a hug, right? Um... But when we're saying the peace of Christ be with you, it's, it's that hope of peace that's pulling together the disparate people, even in this small group, the disparate people in this room, in peace. It's 
peace between the person that you were arguing with about the best way to get to church because really, obviously, this route is much better than the one that the other person in the car wants to go on, right? Um, but uh, some of you were here for this. Um, at the beginning of November, there was a woman here who I would not have known if not for a deep lack of peace in a family. That was not my immediate family. I should never have met this woman if everything was right with the world. But I did, and in that relationship, there is good things, and good things coming for, for the future. And when she was here and we passed the peace of Christ, I got to embrace her in tears and say, the peace of Christ be with you. So, there's hope of peace and there is peace present here um, that this Savior brings that is a miracle. Um, and thus the lights and bells and music and beauty of Christmas is not a mockery. It's a hope and a celebration both together.